Welcome to Faith Kit, a weekly conversation with Rev. Dr. Glenn Miles and noted guests, dialoguing their life of faith in today's culture. Let's join Dr. Miles and today's guest. Uh, welcome everyone to Faith Kit. My name is Glenn Miles. I'm the senior minister at First Community Church, and I'm pleased to uh, welcome you to this brand new podcast series. And our very first guest is Rev. Amy Butler. Uh, Amy is a well-known pastor, a great preacher, and and just a, ter- a terrific scholar and theologian. Uh, Amy, uh, welcome to the Faith Kit podcast, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, if you could, please. Wow, well, uh, thank you for having me, and I, I didn't know I had the distinction of being the first. That's that's exciting. Uh, all right, number one. I'm always, like, I've, every church I've been at, I've been the first woman, so, you know, I guess it's my thing. There you go. I um I grew up in Hawaii. My father is a native Hawaiian activist and community organizer, and my parents still live there. And so I, I tell you that to say that I desperately wanted to get off the island to mm. get away from my parents. When I graduated from high school, I was raised very conservative evangelical, and I was going to marry a pastor, as you do. And um, that just didn't work out. I didn't get into Wheaton College. Um, oh, really? Uh, you applied for Wheaton? I applied for Wheaton because yeah. that's where you ma- that, that's where Billy Graham went. That's, that's where you married. That's where you meet the right man. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, you, I always say, like, they're like, oh, my God, we dodged a bullet, you know? <laughs> but anyway, I was desperate to get off the island, and I took any application I could, which landed me at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. Oh. And, um, that was really a challenge for an island girl, but I feel like I got a great education and I saw women in roles of leadership that I'd never seen before and went through sort of my theological transformation while I was a Baylor. And, and that's undergrad time, right? Mm-hmm. I took a systematics class just for fun in the religion department and all the guys in my class are going to be pastors. And I thought they can do it. I can do it. Come on. You know, like my dad always told me girls can do anything. And then I told him I was going to be a pastor. And he said, Oh, please go to law school. (laughs) So, um, was he, why, why was that? Was he worried because you're a a woman and it was such a rare thing back then? Or is it, was it, uh, something else? I think it was a theological issue for, especially for my mother, but um, um, I I think he he just, I think he knew and knows definitely now that the life of a pastoral leader is, is is not a um, a life of uh, luxury and ease, (laughs) shall we say. I, I, we, we can say amen to that for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's one way to say it. So I was in Waco, Texas during the Southern Baptist crumble, and I couldn't go to Southern Baptist seminary. And so I decided it'd be fun to go to Europe. So I got married to an accountant, not a pastor. And I went, we went to Europe and went to the International Baptist Theological Seminary that was in Switzerland. Hmm. And that was amazing because I was living in this place, people from 30 different countries and nobody could get along with anybody. And it was like the perfect training for church, you know? Right. Right. For sure. For sure. I loved being a Baptist because I loved the freedom of, um, you know, a personal relationship with God and the autonomy of each church. And 
I just wanted to be a pastor and I couldn't get a job for the life of me. So when I came back, I ran a homeless shelter in the city of New Orleans. Hmm. Wow. And um, I really learned how to be a pastor there. And I learned that people at church have the same problems as people in a homeless shelter. They just cover them up a little better. So, yeah, Yeah. I had a a youth minister, my staff in Kansas City, who used to say uh, the percentage of alcoholics is higher among uh, the affluent because it's easier to hide it. Oh, yeah, 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 Yeah. for sure. For sure. Sure. Very, Very sure. Yeah, I, I learned a lot. And one of the things I learned was I worked very closely with some Marianite nuns in mm. New Orleans, and I learned spiritual practice that I had not learned in seminary or in childhood or whatever. And I learned how to be like a woman in a patriarchal system who who's going to buck the trend and try to make a difference no matter what. Because these nuns were like, you know, 75 years old and changing the world still. And um, I just thought, I just, I want to be like that. So um, so what was your first church? I had an opportunity to become an associate pastor. And I was a terrible number two, Glenn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> terrible. Because, you know, I was like 27 or 28. And I was sure that I knew how to do everything better than the senior. <laughs> which well to be fair maybe i did a little but um, but you're not supposed to admit it <laughs> yeah 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 i was i was not i'm sure i wasn't a pleasant employee to have but i really loved the parish and i um so i started looking for a senior pastor and then that's how i ended up at calvary baptist in dc i was their first woman and that started a trend in my career of taking on historic institutions that have suffered significant decline Mm -hmm. and that do not attract anymore the um, white male PhD in his 50s. No offense. Um, I'm in my 60s now, so I'm okay. okay, okay. And, you know, so I just, came, I just walked right into Calvary Baptist Church, 900 seat sanctuary, 45 old white people in the pews, gentrifying neighborhood. And I was like, I'm 32 years old. This is where God called me. And we're going to change the world. And whoo, that was the hardest 11 years. Well, until I got to Riverside, that was very difficult, hard time of poor people at Calvary. Like they, they really taught me even more about how to be a pastor and taught me how to preach. And um, I had the, the lovely honor of being their pastor for 11 years and watching that congregation just come back to life was beautiful for me. So then I went to Riverside. It's a crazy story how I got there. And it's a crazy story how I left. I love to say it's the lamest sex scandal ever. And um you know, being the first woman is really hard. Right. It's really hard. Right. And being a change maker is is punishing. So, so after COVID, after I got fired, and after COVID, I mean, I moved back to DC because I had kids in college or graduating from college and couldn't get a job, and we just sort of hunkered down. And that's when I started talking to National City and. I will just say that this church has 
really loved me back to life in a way that I did not anticipate. And they've really helped me start to believe in, in faith community again. And I'm just so grateful. I'm really grateful. That's awesome. What's your, what's your, what's your extended goal there? Do you know how long you're going to be? Is, is there any talk of any of that changing? Is that none of my business? No, 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 no. Um, so yesterday was two years and I did not expect to, to be here two years. I, I committed 18 months, but then I ended up loving them. And, um, you know, just because of COVID and continued shutdowns, there's been delays in their process. So um, they are moving and they oh, are, really? yes, wow. yes, oh, yes. Search committee meeting tonight. We've got some really good candidates right. and I, um, I am bound and determined that this church will have an amazing next pastor. So well, I hope. Let me, let me say this for sure. They're, they're super lucky to have you. Oh, I, was, I was thrilled when I saw you got the job. I think I sent you a text a, a day or two later. It was, it was like, this is perfect. Somebody can come in who can help them look at themselves honestly and openly. Uh, you've been a change agent from everything I've known about you in your, in your ministry. And it's been a great church. It's been a wonderful church. A couple of my buddies have been on staff there. Um, but it was time. It was it was past time. I'll just say it out loud. It was yeah. past time for yeah. some change yeah. to happen. So yeah, good yeah. for you. What's, what's next? Any ideas? Yes. Um, I, well, this is a big faith leap for me. Um, two and a half years ago, I started a project called Invested Faith, which is a fund. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a donor advised fund that is a vehicle to receive the assets of churches that are at the end of their life cycles and to redistribute those funds in small, unrestricted grants to faith-rooted social entrepreneurs. Oh, wow. Are creating church in a different way. And yeah. so this has been such hopeful work for me. I mean, you and I think all the time about like the decline of the institution and blah, 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 whatever. Um, we have so many assets and they will be lost mm -hmm. unless we figure out a way to um, bring them to bear on wherever God is working in the world. And it's been so hopeful for me. I've met some seriously amazing people who are doing the work, gospel work in the world and um, been able to give away a bunch of money. And so um, I hope I'll get to continue doing that. We'll, we'll see. Cool. I'm raising money and, you know, hoping. That sounds great. It sounds really good. I want to, I want to stay in, connect, in connection, find out how that goes for sure. I'll send you some more info, but I also have a book coming out next year, finally, uh, which has been writing a book is like the worst ever, the worst. Um, but I love it and I'm excited that it will probably meet the world sometime in the middle of next year. A title yet? Working title? Well, working title is Beautiful and Terrible Things. Oh. And, um, it's a collection, it's a memoir, it's a collection of essays about how um, relationships change us. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy one, trust me. Okay, thanks. All There's right, well, so.
<laughs> That's one. That's what you can tell your publisher right now. You've got a commitment from at least one. I'll, I'll buy one for all my, my clergy on staff. That's five. Oh, so. thank you. Thank uh, you. That's half a dozen already who've sold. So. All right, good. Good. Well, we've kind of we've kind of been going the direction I hope we would. I want to I want to um, get into talking with you about about your faith. If you're willing to talk about times you've struggled with your faith, the doubts you've experienced. I mean, you've already shared very openly about about uh, some of your struggles in in the churches you've served in the past and stuff you had to, to run into there. Um, the, this podcast is really is really focused on, um, to be honest, it's promoting my sermon series uh, called Faith, <laughs> Faith Kit for the, um, for the summer. And, and uh, my colleague on staff here, Emily Rogers, said, why don't we get some of your buddies lined up to uh, do these podcasts with you to talk about their faith and, uh, you know, what are some of their, quote, faith hacks? for making their way through. And, and I'd, I'd love to hear some of that right now from you. What are some things you've done um, in your life uh, as a pastor, but also as a person of faith? Um, and, I, and you and I know those aren't necessarily the same person. It's wrapped up into one person, but there's different ways I care for my faith that have nothing to do with my job. Um, so I, I'd love to hear any, anything that you have to share along these lines, as open as you want. All right. Um... Well, this, I write about this a lot in my book and a lot of people who get to know me are surprised when I talk about, there have been significant times in my life where I have lost my faith. And um, it, uh, one of those was um, at the hands of the church, you know? And we, when I was pastor of Calvary, there was a, a huge conflict over change and, you know, getting a website and all the things. And I was very young and they were, some of them were really mean. And I, um, I was just done. Like I was done. I was done. Like I didn't believe in God anymore. And I couldn't get a job anywhere else. I was the sole breadwinner in my family and because I'm a woman and I'm a Baptist I couldn't I mean I, what am I going to do with my religion degree you know so right. I learned in that experience that an important spiritual practice for me is integrating doubt into my faith not as failure but as an opportunity to be honest with myself and honest with God. And what I needed in order to do that was a group of very dear friends who I just said, like, I'm going to need you to hold my faith for me for a bit. You know, right. I'll get up in the pulpit. I'll do a good job. I don't know if I believe, but I just need you to hold, hold that space for me. And um, that's been very powerful for me at several points in my life. And um, so, so that's one thing that is, is, is critically important for me. I also have a therapist, <laughs> a spiritual director, Good. Have a, like a support group of colleagues who I've been meeting with for 15 years. And I know you're really into that too. Like absolutely, you not do this work alone. No, absolute way. No, 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 yeah. no. Right. Um, so, so those are some of the sort of philosophical and practical things that I, I love to preach. Preaching for me is, um, is a spiritual discipline. Mm -hmm. We are assigned these texts. We get to live with them and muse over them and 
think about how they are speaking to the moment in which we find ourselves and like, who gets to do that? That's so fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a I, little. I do laugh sometimes and say, I have a great job. I'm paid to read and speak. It's really, it's really a great job. Who, who, who couldn't, who couldn't love this except for all the other reasons that you've already, uh, <laughs> that you and I know, know all, all too well. I, I love the, um, Amy, I love the the sound of your voice, the way the way you 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 slowed down and your voice softened, and talking about you know what it, what it was like and how you had to have friends who would uh, I think you said hold that space for you. Um, certainly, that's been true in my life. I mean, the 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 people I've 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 worked with and been around have have been uh, oftentimes chosen to be in those kind of retreat settings or whatever has been a, a huge gift for me. And somebody, somebody that we share uh, as a friend is uh, Phil Love. Um, when I was in the church in Kansas City, uh, hit, a, hit, a, hit some change issues there for sure. And Phil was, I mean, he basically stood, at, it's a cliche, but he stood in the breach. And he stood next to me and my friend Carla, who now is the senior minister there, she was the executive minister when I was there. She and I stood next to Phil and, and we just faced whatever was coming at us. And it was sort of, you know, no matter how tough it was or hard it was, knowing that those pe people are there, I mean, that's really where I get my courage from. And that's where oh, I get me too. Yeah. Me too. Sure. And I just, I'll never forget my coach, Dave Odom, who works at Duke now. He said to me, like, if you cannot get up in the pulpit and preach the gospel, then you need to sit down and let someone else do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, that is not your bully pulpit. It is not... Um, for you to misuse don't do it and so like you know i've had these amazing truth tellers in my life who have helped me navigate some of these really hard things you yeah. you uh i'm i'm grateful to you for connecting me to dave odom you may not remember that but i called you um i don't think i'd ever met you yet but i just called you cold and said hey i hear you got a coach out there and and uh, he's been a huge help in my life too just, just tremendous. Yeah. Sometimes just call and talk to him for 55 minutes and just rant. Yeah. And then, and then he has to like long silence and then he'll say, I think you know what to do. <laughs> what I, what I used to tell him, I'd, I'd rant for a while and then I, and then he would, it would do the same thing. There'd be this long breath and I'd have to convince myself not to talk. Right. And, and just let him, because I know he's like Yoda, you know, he's going to say something. And, and then he'll, he'll come up with this brilliant idea. Here's what I think you ought to do. And I'll say, Dave, I can't believe I'm paying you all this money to basically repeat what my wife told me this morning. Over <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and so I'm happy to confirm anything Julie says. So just call me whenever you think she's wrong. Uh, yeah, wow. it's, but I really, I really appreciate that. That's, that's the, um, you know, I had a, when you were talking about a spiritual director, I had a spiritual director when I was a, um, an associate. And, and her, I, I talked for 55 minutes, the first session and the last five minutes, she said, okay, now stop talking. Mm. And I sat there in silence for five minutes. And then when that five minutes was up, she said, our hour is complete next week. You're going to come and you're not going to talk for the first 30 minutes. Yeah, it was, and she was about five foot. Oh, she was maybe four foot nine. Just this teeny tiny little, this little sweet Benedictine nun who would just could get in my face. Um, that's what you need like that yeah. that's what you need uh, yeah yeah i've had a spiritual director say to me well amy you know that's a bunch of i can't i don't think i can say this word on your podcast but you know just like saying like i've just listened to you tell me <laughs> a bunch of garbage like 
you're lying. Get, get over yourself. You know, right. Right. Um, I don't know how people go through life without those truth tellers. Right. I, that's uh, absolutely correct. Well, let's, um, uh, so we got into faith a little bit and that's, that's the sermon series this summer is, is finding, finding tools. I don't really like that, that term necessarily, but it, it worked for the, um, for the faith kit idea. Um, my text coming up this, this Sunday is John 16. And it, I saw an interesting piece in the Christian Century. Um, well, wait, before we get there, I want to I hear just your cold reading. I asked you to, to maybe do a cold reading or just, you know, just kind of hit the text. And what stuff pops up? As you read it, what did, what did you run into? <laughs> um, I've always thought of this part of John as being so wistful. It's mm. like Jesus, like we're seeing a raw picture of Jesus here where he is just like, all right, dudes, like I did the best I could and you're going to need to take it from here. And I started thinking, of course, comparing myself to Jesus, of course, that's really great. Like I started thinking like he kind of was doing interim ministry, right? Like he sort of came, yes. Yes. Like, mixed a lot of things up and then like sent the spirit to help us. And um, I think he was grieving and wistful and like, I, I'm, you know, I'm at the end of this work and I love all of you and I just don't know if it's going to fly. And um, that's been sort of on my mind all day since I started reading the text. I, that's, I, I love that idea that uh, of him as an interim minister. <laughs> he's, he's here for a short while and I'm going to be gone and, but I'm going to leave you with, with the, the, the necessary tools to take care of them in the ministry and, and you, don't worry you can you can do that that's a great image i, I heard uh, i can't remember if it was mike iaconelli or tony campolo one of, one of those guys um compared jesus to a youth minister that, yeah. that and then and even said it's likely that some of the disciples would have been in their teens you know would, would they'd already be out working and everything but still be 16 17 years old and so he basically had this high school youth group that he that he worked with and 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 uh, you know they they bought into the let's change the world idea wow i've never thought of it that way but i do think that we you know we misuse the bible so much mm -hmm. and that jesus was saying something like Oh gosh, I hope I hope I gave them enough of a foundation so that when the spirit blows in, they'll have the courage to step out, right? Put up their sails, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The first line is really intriguing to me where where he says, I've got I've got more to say, but you can't bear it now. It's kind of like you you know, I don't, I don't think this has ever happened to you as a pastor, but it's happened to me. Um pastor, I I need we need to talk. Uh, I can't say anything right now, but I'm going to call you tomorrow. Can we have coffee tomorrow? And, you know, great. Thanks. You just ruined my night. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I especially like it when it happens right before worship. Oh, oh yes. Oh, oh, oh yes. Uh, uh, or, 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 I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't confess this, but my, I'll get a, I'll get a text on my phone, the same kind of thing as I'm walking into worship and look, cause it's, cause it's on my watch now too. And I'll look at my watch and I'm like, oh my gosh. What, what have I done? What am I walking into here? And yep. yeah, I, once, once when I was in Kansas City, we were doing a $3 million capital campaign and we were almost there, almost had the $3 million. When the chair of the campaign literally pulls me aside at 1058 as I'm walking in for the big service at 11 and says, I just got an update from our engineer. We're going to need $2 million more. Yeah. And then, and then pats me on the back and says, looking forward to the sermon. I'm like, what <laughs> sermon? 
<laughs> I got no sermon now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that happens a bunch. I got yelled at about choir robes on my way in to worship this week because I asked the choir not to wear choir robes and that upset a couple people. And I'd, all I could say was like, I mean, I think if you're upset about the choir robes, you're going to really hate the sermon. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you it's about God and change. You know, my, my predecessor here at First Community uh, uh, was Dick Wing. I worked for Dick for seven years out in, in California as his associate. Um, and he used to say, if people are complaining about your tie or your hair, then that's because they got nothing else to complain about. So maybe it's a good sign that they're searching for something <laughs> as goofy as choir robes to complain about. Uh, but that's the thing, Glenn, about interim ministry. It's so fun because sure. you like be real and and say the truth and love the people and it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. Yeah, I, I was talking to my buddy Jim Keck today about about when we retired, getting some fun, cool little church here and there to be an interim in and, and you know, go in and preach and have fun and love people and do all that. I think it could be, a, a, that'd be kind of fun. I don't want to go to a lot of meetings and things, but I could, I'd be happy to preach and pastor. Yeah. So, I mean, this is winding up. I can't imagine having another amazing interim as amazing as this, but if you got any ideas, let me know. I'll, I'll call you when I, as soon as I know one, for sure. Okay. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's move on. A couple, a couple of fun things here at the end. Um, what are three books that you would recommend, whether they're on faith or something else, doesn't matter. Three books you'd recommend that you want you want my listeners to hear or to read. Well, I've been severely impacted on that front by TikTok. So I'm just telling you, like, I watch TikTok obsessively and that has cut into my reading. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe you just confessed that. Um, I had the opportunity to review Brian McLaren's new book, um, do I stay Christian? Yeah. And I think if you, as you all are working through like a toolkit for faith, like that might be a really good read because right. he is just like so open about the questions that all of us struggle with, but sometimes are scared to talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so that's a good one, a really good one. Right. Um, I love the podcast, Death, Sex, and Money. Oh. Um, and the host of that podcast, Anna Sale, I mean, they only talk about death, sex, and money, all the things that we don't like to talk about, um, has written a book called Let's Talk About Hard Things, which I think is, is, is really, really, really a good read. And it's a good read for the church in this moment when, um, when this is part of, part of our work. Um, and then I'm revisiting a Parker Palmer um thinking about vocation and listening to your life as we're doing two ordinations here at national city and me the baptist i'm leading them through and um we, we so, disciples we let everybody in <laughs> thank you <laughs> revisiting revisiting that book listening to your life and oh, yeah i i think for anyone who's in a reflective place about why they're on this planet that's a that's a great read you know, I, I, I've got McLaren's book on order um, and, and got to meet him at a conference and spent a little, not a very long time, maybe 30 minutes with him afterwards at a cocktail party or something. And I was really impressed at how quiet and gentle and humble he is. I yes. really expected something totally different. I don't know why. Maybe because he came out of big evangelical church world. I, I assume he'd be more like that. 
Um, but the same thing about Parker Palmer, we had Parker here, um, uh, I don't know, six months before the pandemic, you know, packed house, 750 people in the sanctuary and all that. And again, he was just such a sweet, humble guy. I, I, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you mentioned those two. I've got, I've got um, listening to your life sitting on my shelf somewhere. I'll have to pull that out again. And I've got McLaren's book on order. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, like I don't want to read books by people who have it all figured out, you know. Right. I want someone who can meet me where my doubts are raising their hands and we can have an honest conversation about what it means to be a person of faith in this world at this moment. I mean, oh, yeah. look at the news, oh. man. Oh, I know. We did a, we did a, um, on Memorial Day Sunday, we had three services planned and I just said, I can't preach number one, three times um, after what's gone on in, in Texas and Buffalo and I'm getting a ton of texts and emails from folks who are just hurting over all the shooting about the worship of guns in our in our in our country. Uh, we did one service called um, "With Size Too Deep," a service of lament and hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just I just had to name the pain. I had to name the anger and just get up and 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 really face that. It's it's I'm still not sure I did any good, but um, it, it, just naming it is 90% of the battle. Uh, That's right. I mean, we had um, one of our unhoused neighbors was murdered right in front of the church the day before the shooting in Texas. And so we've sort of had it like immediate and big. um, You know, I I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a friendship with the owner of United Gun Group who sold George Zimmerman's gun on his platform. And these last two weeks have been full of some really hard conversations, like really hard, really hard. Like, and I keep thinking like, where do people of faith show up in these, in these impasses, you know, and that's tough. Yeah. Super tough. Mm-hmm. All right. One, one, one more for us. Uh, three, three movies you want my audience to see. It can be fun. It can be serious didn't matter okay people are people are gonna start not liking me because of this thank you very much well some already do but like i don't really like movies and i don't really like dogs i just i know that makes me like uh morally suspicious are you serious you don't like movies or dogs i don't like movies or dogs oh my gosh i know so but i am gonna go see the new top gun movie because it's great great. high school Yeah. yeah Okay. Okay. Good. Um, but I did just finish watching the morning show on Apple TV, which I did not watch because it's loosely based on Fox news and some of the sexism that happened there. And I was just, you know, not interested and it is so good. Oh my God. It's so good. Good. Spoon is in it and Jennifer Aniston and they are just, it's so good. And especially if you're a woman who lives through, um sexism in the workplace oh my gosh so good awesome um and then the dark side of me came out recently when i finished watching ozark because i just couldn't look away we 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 finished the whole series all four seasons um one of our best friends from atlanta i was in a church in atlanta for nine years tess kincaid she played uh, one of the fbi agents had a, had a uh-huh. regular recurring role. She was she was great. I, when the last episode came up, I, I I was just sitting there, just super tense and nervous. And Julie was like, "What's wrong with you? I just don't want Tess to get shot." 
<laughs> I, I know it's all fake, but I just don't want to watch that. I don't want to see that happen. And she did. She didn't. She does buy it. So the whole time I was like, okay, maybe I didn't do so bad of a job raising teenagers. Okay. <laughs> I know. okay. Exactly. You know, no murders. Yeah. Like, you know. We had the same conversation in our house. So far, our boys are fine. We didn't, we didn't teach them how to launder money or shoot a shotgun or any of that that's stuff. Great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, all right. that's, that's all, what I got for you on the movies. Oh, that's great. No, you did really well. You shouldn't have made your confession. Because I do think a little less of you now that you said that. But you did fine. Yeah. You, you did fine. So uh, all my guests get the last word. What's your last word for our listeners today? Um, I've been thinking a lot over the last two and a half years, and especially as COVID has shut us down, about how we in our own lives and in our institutional lives live so... <sighs> clinging so tightly to a theology of scarcity, like what have we lost? What, what will we never regain? What do we need that we don't have? And I just think our whole entire lives would change if we began to see the world, our churches, our lives with the abundance that God has created for us. Um, you know, the idea that Jesus was always talking about the kingdom of God, where everyone has an opportunity to thrive, like instead of looking around thinking what I don't have and what we can't do, what if we were like, oh my gosh, we got this beautiful building on Thomas Circle, six weeks, six blocks from the White House, like what amazing things could we do? So um, I would like to say, take a look at your life and take a look at your work and apply a lens of abundance and see what changes. I love it. Thank you, friend. It's great to see your face. And maybe we'll leave you together in the same place sometime soon and can reconnect. I hope so. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're welcome. This has been great. Thanks. Thanks, Amy. See you okay, around. Here. Bye. Thank you for being with us in this episode of Faith Kit. Join us next week for another enlightening conversation.